Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sandra Lanch podcast. I am Data, and with me is... Dak. And Jamie. Joe's still out. This is the second episode of our Baby Break 2. While Joe and wife uh, welcome their new baby and spend time not sleeping and uh, changing diapers and all the fun things that you get to do when there's a new baby. Uh, Or even, you know, when there's an older baby, there's still lots of diapers to change. Uh, True that? Yeah. This week, we read a pretty short story called I Hate Dragons, the extended version. The original version was uh, about the the length of one of these chapters and was a writing exercise that Brandon did to write a scene with just dialogue. And then he expanded a little bit into what we were reading this time. But I'm glad you said that because I was reading this just going, man, if this is the extended version, how short was the original? Yeah, well, I mean, and you can read it like the link I gave you, the very beginning of the first chapter, he's got a link to the dialogue writing exercise, which yeah, is yeah. mostly the same as the first chapter with a little bit tacked on to the end, basically. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've tried, I've done one of those before. I had to write a thing for a contest that was dialogue only, and it is trickier than it seems. I think I have done that, but not for a very long time. Yeah, it's been a while for me, too. So that is what we're going over. Probably won't be a super long episode. Get excited. Hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. After the long, hard days of hunting and of war, our throats are tired and thirsty and our bodies drenched in gore. But we won't waste our evenings feeling tired and feeling spent. We perk right up when we breathe in that wholesome honey scent. That's iridelic brandy, too fruity for these tongues. So yeah, we got a little three-chapter story, chapters one, two, and four, which just really makes you be like, well, now I want to know what was in chapter three that he refused to release. But what did you guys think of this story? This was fun. Like The more I read of it, I'm just thinking to myself, this is like he wanted to do a Monty Python sketch set in Skyrim. I totally uh, see that, yep. Yeah, it's, it's like, got the comedic, like, the guy who's like, yeah, I'm in danger for my life, but I will also correct the grammar every chance I get, because that's my thing. But you got, and you got the, the team leader who doesn't know his ass from his hands, and, like, the sorceress, and then it's like, oh, this is all heating up, and he's dead. <laughs> it's like, and it's like, man, this is just a, this, like, this, this is easily the first outright comedy we've ever read from him, so that was fun. But yeah, no, this was, this was really cool, I liked it. It's definitely different from what we've read because, like you said, it's very just like straight comedic. And it's it's like it's almost like, a you know, if you had a, a whole Wayne three chapters in a row or something and because he's just ridiculous. But I can I'd never thought about it before, but I can absolutely see like Monty Python doing this. There's just two guys standing there in ridiculous outfits talking about hunting dragons and say, like, oh, I don't want to get in. And then, and then like you get into it and it's like the dragons just look at him. It's like, man, you suck. <laughs> And then the dragon's just like, all right, get up here. Get in my belly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, what is happening? <laughs> uh, and then and then there's and then it gets like horribly like the dragon just gets horribly bloody, bloodily like murdered. And it's like, oh, well, that that, that took a turn. OK. And it's made it worse because he could talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it was a little bit we're not used to reading such a short story. Like I know I was prepared that we were going into a short story, but I found myself getting really invested. And then I was like, oh, the dragon can talk. Oh my God. That's so cool. Oh, dead dragon. 
Okay, that's fine. Oh, dead main character. Okay, that's a thing. Um, I really liked in the first chapter just the dialogue. I was sort of surprised because I was able to keep up with exactly who it was. I found the correction of all the grammar after a little while. I was like, oh, oh, stop it. We know, we understand. And then I was like, hang on a minute, you're correcting spelling in dialogue. <laughs> and I'm so glad that that got addressed because I was like, what, what, how? I don't understand what's going on here. I'm so confused. Have I missed something? But I thought that was kind of a cool little superpower to have. Or knack, is it? Yeah. Got a knack for that. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of cool too. The sorceress. I'm so interested in her. I really do want to know what's in chapter three because I, the little blurb bit at the beginning of chapter four was like, no, 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 you're reading this right. <laughs> Brandon left it out. So I was like, oh, oh, now I do want to know what's in that. And then the note at the end of like, you know, there might be some more if Brandon decides to write some more or release some more or whatever. I was like, Where are you going to go from there? Is he dead? I mean, they didn't confirm he's dead. It's true. I think, I just think in it was my mind, timing. yeah, in my mind, I think he survived, but it, it, it's just like, you could easily end there and just, you could, and you could have added a line to the end, like, and he got eaten, and then you'd have a story. And he was yeah. delicious. <laughs> that was good. I enjoyed it. I kind of agree about the grammar thing where it's just like at first it's I, I, I like that comedy. I, I love the he's like, I can hear commas and stuff or apostrophes. And I was like, OK, that's funny. And then what he does it so much that I'm just like, OK, no, I mean, I got it. It's like, it was is funny. this really important right now? Yeah. I think, too, coming off the back of reading three books with Wayne and not having it pointed out, I was like, I can understand what's going on. You don't need to correct this. It's not. It wasn't really jarring to read someone speak that way. Yeah. Because we are used to, ain't got nothing, blah, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't come naturally to me to speak, uh, form form sentences that way. So, yeah, but I can read it <laughs> and it's no problem. And then, yeah, it was a bit jarring to go, oh, you're, you're stopping, you're correcting it all the time. So the flow is a bit broken. But I, I enjoyed the little you know, you're in a perilous situation and then we're stopping to talk about, oh, but you use this instead of this and it's actually this and I'm going to give you an explanation as to why you're wrong. It's like no one's got time for that. Uh, and also when it's like, oh, you shouldn't use that apostrophe there. It's like I wasn't using an apostrophe. Yeah, you were. How do you – what? <laughs> He's you like, thought I, it. I, yeah, I, I knew what you meant, what you thought. Somehow. It's like, but like, but what I what I meant to say still sounds like perfectly fine for what I said. It's like, yeah, but you didn't say it right. How did I not say it right? <laughs> you used the wrong there. How do you know? <laughs> it, it, it's it's weird for me because I kind of relate to it. There was like a year there where a large part of my job was reading over stuff and catching the spelling and grammar and like sentence structure type mistakes and. So I'm like, oh, I, I get where you're coming from. It's uh, it, They stick out to me, too. But at the same time, it's just like uh, he really takes it kind of far. Well, it's like it sticks out to you because you're reading it. He's not. Yeah. Like, the, like that's uh, actually makes it like, it's one of those stories like this would not work in a visual medium. Like it, it was like a, you know, a, like a short animated clip or a live action mm -hmm. clip or anything. It wouldn't work. He would just come up as an asshole because you because we as the viewers would not be able to see the mistakes they're making they're making oh that's a good point see now i'm trying to picture that monty python that where it's like you said there 
I know I said there. No, you said T H E Y apostrophe R E. I did not. And it, yeah, okay, maybe he would seem like, like an asshole. If anyone was going to make it work, though, it would be Monty Python. Yeah. Oh, 100%. You're not wrong. John Cleese's skip. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very old skip. I just, I never picked yeah. John Cleese from like the early Python days. In my mind, he's always like rat race age John Cleese with like he's all gray yeah. and he's got a little mustache and stuff. Uh, no, the the mental image I have of John Cleese is from Faulty Towers. Mm, uh, Basil Faulty. Basil Faulty. We watched that a ton growing up. There's only like 12 or 13 episodes or something, isn't there? Something like that, yeah. Might always seem like there were more. Yeah. It's one of those ones like you, like you, you, you grow up and you think, man, there, we watched so many episodes of those as a kid. You grow up, it's like, oh, there were six. What? Yep. Uh, now I'm looking through uh, his uh, his IMDb to see what else I I imagine him from. But he does a lot of voiceover in later years. So, uh, like, he's mm. the king. That's right. He was in Shrek. And so I'm like, uh, apparently he's in Charlotte's Web as a sheep and just. <laughs> what? <laughs> he was in the movie Stranger Than Fiction, uncredited as the waiter. Okay. We watched that oh. only last year. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember, remember him at that all. either. Now I got to go back and check that out. It's a great movie, so I'm happy to do that. Right, yeah. It's a good movie. My, my wife hates uh, Will Ferrell, so uh, I got her to watch it once, but not again. Really? Because, like, that's Will Ferrell at probably his least Will ferrell Yes, and, and that's why yeah. I was like, here, try this one, because this is he's not very Will Ferrell in this one. And she said that it was okay, but, you know, it's not one that she wants to watch again. No, no that's fair. He's in the 1996 movie Mr. Toad's Wild Ride as Mr. Toad's Lawyer. <laughs> Maybe he was in a couple of Bond movies. Yeah, he was Q for a little while. Yeah. And then he was like the new Q supervisor or something. I don't even remember how it all went. No, he, he, he was in two movies. And like the first one was like Desmond Llewellyn was retiring as Q after like 19 movies or something. Yeah. Uh, and John Cleese was his uh, successor. And then he was in the follow up to that, which was that terrible Die Another Day. Mm. Uh, and, and then they rebooted the series. So he didn't come back. Oh, he's nearly headless Nick. I'd forgotten that. Oh, shit. I forgot about that, too, because he was in it for, like, two seconds. Yeah. Across the, many movies. Across many movies, yeah. The, <laughs> ghosts, the ghosts don't have a big role in the books, but they have an even smaller role in the movies. Nearly headless. How can you be nearly headless? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. I remember, like, Dobby is the same way, where Dobby's role in the books is not huge, but it's it's decent. And then in the movies, he's just like he shows up in the second movie and then like you see him not at all until his death is supposed to be really affecting in like the last movie. And I'm like, but I haven't seen him for like seven years. Why would I care? <laughs> I think the thing that got me is like, oh, my God, he died. And it's like, well, he did stand on a table giving them a massive rant about how he's free for like five minutes. It's a wonder he didn't die sooner. Right. <laughs> I feel like we've gone down this rabbit hole pretty far now. Yeah, we have. This episode of the Sandy Lounge Baby Break brought to you by John Cleese. Yeah, good guy John Cleese. Uh, the world is not enough. Was the was the other John uh, Yeah. Yeah, good guy. Was it good? Good guy Norton. Good, good guy Norton. No, <laughs> good guy Norton is now played by John Cleese. Oh, oh I can totally see that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Smiling obligator. <laughs> okay, I guess let's <laughs> just let's get into these uh, these three chapters. I guess. Uh, and I lost the browser window that had it. Hold on. I might have used that that tab to find John Cleese's IMDb. No, here it is. Okay. 
so we meet Master Johnston, Johnston and Skip. And Master Johnston is the leader of this group of dragon hunters that Skip is working for. And what Skip would like is to get paid. He has uh, the uh, the very dangerous job of being bait for the dragons. And he's like, I mean, so I guess, no, yeah, he, it's not that he, he wants to be paid. I'm sorry. What he wants to do is maybe get a new job in the dragon hunting troop. Because he's like, you put bait out there enough times, eventually it's going to get eaten. <laughs> he's Master Johnston says, you've been doing this for a year now and you ain't gotten you ain't ever gotten eight. And that's where we start to see uh, his, the, the grammar stuff come in. He's like, that sentence was deplorable, sir. What's math have to do with this? So it's it's not just not just he notices like when the words are wrong. He also can see what they meant to say. I think, yeah, but we don't get to that yet until later, I guess. But, I mean, divisible, when he says that, you're thinking divisible. That just makes sense. Like, Yeah, I guess. What other math word would sound similar? Yeah. And I, I, I've started thinking, and he says, a dangerous habit, that. It's chronic, I'm afraid. <laughs> I like that exchange. <laughs> yeah, I got to remember that one. Chronic condition thinking, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about how many reptilian bicuspids I've seen in recent months, and I've cussed more than twice myself. <laughs> he really just wanted to make that joke. He's <laughs> like, all right, how can I? Yep. It, it does seem like a stretch to get bicuspids into a sentence. <laughs> and so uh, the guy offers him a 2% raise. And he goes, but you, I don't get any money. You pay me in food. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, I forgot you were a smart one. Okay, 4%. He says, you could make it double and it would be meaningless. And he's like, double? What do you think I am? Made of coins? But he's, it's made, M-A-I-D. And the guy's like, oh, the word is made, M-A-D-E, sir. And he's like, huh? That's, that's what I said. He says, never mind, never mind. Not about money. You want more food? No. I don't. <laughs> so Master Johnson's like, come on, get on with it. Dragon ain't going to kill himself. And I like, he's like, well, I mean, technically, being sentient, they probably have a suicide rate similar to other intelligent creatures. Which is something I'd never thought about before, but yeah, I guess it's possible. Yeah. Dark. It is dark, yes. But now I'm just like, has anyone ever written a story about a depressed dragon committing suicide? That's that's like a whole new thing. And Suicidal Dragons is a great metal band name. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you Joe's not here, so I need to call the band names. Yep, there you go. You could, uh, you'd need some fire, like fire effects if you had that band name. Just. Uh, oh, yeah. Do the whole drag. A friend of mine went this last weekend to uh, a Rammstein show, and uh, they're they're known for their fire effects. And he was like, "Oh yeah, it was." Like, at one point, they just pulled out giant flamethrowers and were firing them over the heads of the audience. I was like, "Wow, wow okay, that's that, that's a thing." Man, their uh, liability insurance must be huge. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I was thinking. Well, and he said that there were these giant like columns on the ground, like among the audience, that shot like. 15 foot high columns of fire into the air and he was like we were like really far away and i could still feel the heat from these things when they turned on and i was like geez like what must standing next to that be like this is horrible and dangerous <laughs> but yes so i'm uh i don't know that i would have wanted to go to that show but it sounded really interesting i mean i'll admit i'm curious yeah but apparently apparently these guys they have uh like 19 semi trucks that tour the country with them just to carry the speaker equipment that they take to each of these shows. They have like God, enormous huge. tons of speakers 
And so I was like, this is insane. All right. How long does that take to set up? It apparently takes like three or four days is what he said when to set up at each new town. That's crazy. Yeah. I can't imagine. But apparently it was a great show. So, you know. I mean, I believe it. You, you get you put the work in, you get a great show. Uh, so the the guy the, Skip wants to change his participation in the hunting of the dragons. I'd like to hold a harpoon or fire a crossbow or something like that. Like, but you can't do that while you're out in the middle of the field being bait, silly. Like, no, no, I'd I'd, I'd rather do that instead of being bait. And apparently they're having this discussion while hiding behind rocks from a dragon who's flying around. <laughs> a thirty foot long dragon with black distinguished by the black shading of its scales that glow in radiant colors when struck by light. That sounds really cool. Like, I'd like to see that. Yeah. Sounds pretty. Yeah. I mean, for a creature that wants to eat you. But, you know. Of course, terrifying, but pretty. (laughs) Hey, I mean, bears are, you know, majestic to look at. They'll still maul the shit out of you. Yeah. Yeah, stay away from bears. I saw I saw a thing the other day that uh, that was about moose and it was like a moose will kill you. Don't get close to the moose. Even if you're in your car, stay away from the moose. It will get you. It will kill you. It will beat you with its antlers until you are a bloody pulp spread across the the antlers. And I was like, okay, could you it's graphic? Yeah, don't bother moose. I got it. You didn't have to get that into it. Note to self, moose jokes. Yep. It was like if it sees you, it will chase you until it kills you. Wow, that's that's hardcore. Okay, that makes me want that that Kevin Smith horror movie about moose. Oh, I remember this when it was being. Was, I don't remember. Yeah, it was supposed to, it was supposed to make like um. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah he he said it was basically Jaws with a moose instead of a shark. And like, yeah. I will, I will watch the shit out of that. That sounds incredible. Who who was doing that? Kevin Smith, the guy who does like Dogma, Chasing Amy, Clerks. Mm. It was part of it he was said, going to be part of the True North trilogy along with Tusk and Yoga Hosers. Never saw Yoga Hosers. Like and Tusk was ludicrous, but I, I really enjoyed it. I never saw either of those. T- Tusk, it's incredibly silly, but I, I I really liked it. I didn't realize that movie starred Johnny Depp. Yep. Oh, and the Yo- Yoga Hosers is a spinoff of Tusk, and that one also has Johnny Depp along with Harley Quinn Smith. Yeah, she's yeah, um, she's in both of them. Oh, and Johnny Depp's daughter. Okay, so those are the two girls. I've seen, I saw trailers for Yoga Hosers, and I knew it was about like two girls. That makes sense. Those are the two. That's how you get Johnny Depp in your movie. Be like, hey, your daughter can be one of the stars. <laughs> of course, now maybe it's easier. He's not as in demand as he once was. Yep. And I okay, so we're he's the guy's telling him, no, you you can't stop being bait. You're a superstar. You have real talent. That's what the great rock did give you. And so we get the the side note that he is a Wingosian who worships the moon goddess. Scientists had recently explained that uh, the moon is really a big rock and not a goddess. And being pragmatic folk, they had adopted their belief system. So they now worship the big rock. Man, where is this in size metal mines? <laughs> right? Yeah. I love I love the practicality of that. It's like, oh, science says this. Well, we'll absolutely accept what science says. We'll just uh, worship <laughs> that. It's fine. We'll just adapt. Yeah. And then there's the thing. He's like, reach for the stars. And he's like, but stars are big balls of gas that are burning. If you reach for one, you'd burn your hand. Man, like, just stop trying to be like, I have to be the smartest guy in the room, dude. He, yeah, he does come off. Yeah, he's uh, 
literally a dragon overhead. <laughs> Not the time. Oh gosh. And so yeah, they're uh, eventually they're he's just like okay, enough of this. You're getting out there. The sorceress is waiting to for us to gut this one, and it ain't wise to keep a sorceress waiting. And so they uh, they've got the guy in like a, a coat with roses or rose scent in it, I guess, so that uh, the dragon doesn't smell him until they uh, it's time. So they take the coat off, they throw water on him to douse the lingering scent, and then he goes out onto the open ground. And that's the end of chapter one, which is a great place to end the chapter. Very dramatic. And then he's he's just like, I'm so very tired. And there's a thing he was quite quite proud of his acting. It took me a bit to figure out what was going on here. I was like, did we miss the battle? What? <laughs> ah, no, he has to act for the dragon. <laughs> also, I hate sunlight, so I'm not going to look upward. I'm just going to take a stroll along this uh, rocky place of rocks. Oh, gosh. I love that we're in his head and he's just like, I'm quite proud of my acting. And it immediately just proves to be a horrible actor. <laughs> Oh my god, if only it was nice for me to lie down here in this field. <laughs> and so uh, dragons apparently are real good in the air, but not super agile. And if you get them on the ground, it's hard to for them to get themselves up into the sky again. They have to get a running start or maybe jump off a cliff or something. Which totally makes sense. I like that, uh, that uh, detail. So he has to convince it to land so the hunters can jump out and kill it. So normally dragons don't land. They'll snatch you like mid-flight, but he's ready for that. When he feels it coming up, he just trips. And it, it was an expert trip, something he was getting quite good at. And he like hits the ground in a little hollow in the rock so the dragon can't grab him. Gosh, I'm sad that I tripped and got dust in my eyes, so I couldn't <laughs> see anything for a few moments. <laughs> Maybe I'll just take my nap here. I hope no wild beasts are around to savage me. That I like, Master Johnston is over. Bite. The script says bite me. <laughs> Just, oh, my God. I'm extrapolating. What's the dragon skin have to do with this? No, that's exfoliate. <laughs> Just totally see. Was it was Graham, Graham Chapman was King Arthur? I could totally see him as Master Johnston. Yeah. Or I, I think I imagine... And I don't remember who it was. I imagine Master Johnston more as, uh, like, the dad of that kid in the Lancelot bit. Oh, yeah. Um, look it up now. Yeah, it's the King of the Swamp Castle. I don't remember his name or which Python played him, but... Oh, it was uh, Michael Palin. Sir Galahad played the King of the Swamp Castle. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So many roles, and you got to try and just... All right, which one was this? Which one was this? Which one was this? Yeah, because it's like you look at you look at any of them and there's like 10 roles for that movie. <laughs> oh, good times. And so, yes, the dragon lands on a rock formation nearby, perched like a bird in a tree, it says. And the dragon's just like, you're a terrible actor. <laughs> Glad somebody called him out. It's like if you if you've got a 30 foot long death lizard sitting above you that just goes, you suck. That's got to be a massive blow to the self-esteem. <laughs> Yeah. But I, I I do like how uh you know the dragons the dragons are being portrayed as like every bit as intelligent as people so it's not like they're dumb he's just like you're a bad actor <laughs> like that's uh that's a very complex uh, thing to have ex uh, gotten to yeah it's like 
I know they said they were sentient before, but I assumed it would be like, oh, you know, like they have their own language and stuff. They don't really talk. They're just sort of nomads and they eat, and they eat people. And then he just comes in, he's speaking in flawless English and is just actually quite a down-to-earth guy. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is not where I thought this was going. <laughs> yeah, I, I was shocked at his ability to converse. <laughs> Who wrote the script? Uh, the master? Yeah, he needs an editor. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> I've seen pieces of soap that were better actors than you, which makes you go, like, so does the dragon go to plays? Do the dragons have, like, plays? Dragon plays? I don't... <laughs> Just imagining a dragon in, like, a human costume sorting off the, across the <laughs> stage while other dragons, like, just like, get the human! Ah! <laughs> There's a dragon version of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> uh, that would be something to see. Now I want yep. that story about dragon <laughs> actors. You don't even like you, you start out writing a story and you think it's just actors like it's just about them doing the play and then gradually you figure out that they're dragons. Uh that'd be fun. So yeah, he he, he Sorry, what, you can say something. No, I was just gonna say there's some Patreon content for you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm gonna write uh, I'm gonna you, you patrons are gonna have to read Stories that I've written, sorry. Uh, I, at that point, I should be paying you, probably. So. <laughs> yeah, right, I'm going to write this one down for, for later use. Maybe I can make something of this. So he, he tries to blame it. He's like, you know how difficult it is to work with such awful lines? And the right, it's like, that doesn't excuse the bad acting. <laughs> Actually, sorry, to go to go back to that point of the Dragon Act, it's just re- like, just reminding I had, uh, I don't know if you've read uh, the X-Men storyline, Age of Apocalypse. I had I did at some point, but it's been a long, long time. Like at one point, uh, so it's like all these different stories going off and doing their own thing, and um, one of the stories is, uh, you know, a, a a group of them uh trying to lay low and hide from Apocalypse's forces, and they're just presenting as like a traveling troop of actors. But mm-hmm. the group, but like the two main actors in the group are Toad, so like you know looks like a, looks like a frogman, and and Sauron, the pterodactyl guy. Oh. <laughs> and he's such a he's such a grumpy arsehole but he's reading Shakespearean lines <laughs> it's the funniest thing ever that's okay yeah I mean for a traveling show you would want to have something weird and interesting to show off so maybe I get it that you put those two front and center why not yeah and I guess like if they've got wings they don't need strings to pull them up into the yeah exactly <laughs> do, do the tempest or something and there's some flying magical stuff so He's just, Skip is like, so, I mean, if you saw through the whole thing, shouldn't you have left? And the dragon just, like, narrows his eyes at him. It's like, hmm. And so the dragon, he doesn't want to leave. Because the scent of Skip, his dragon nip, as he puts it, is just so powerful, so intoxicating, that uh, the dragon really wants him. The dragon's like, why don't you just uh, come up, come on up here? <laughs> but But you'll eat me. Yeah. I think At least he's honest fine. about it. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's not trying to trick him. He's just like, no, yeah, I'm totally going to eat you. And he's like, oh, it won't be so bad. There will hardly be any pain. And it's spelled T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E. And Skip's like, I don't care if there's pain or not. I'll, I'll still be dead. And also, you're using the wrong version of there. How can you tell? There's no difference in the sounds they make. And he says, I can hear apostrophes. What, really? I can hear spelling, too. It's my other knack. And the dragon's like, that's that's interesting. That's real interesting. 
Anyway, come on up here and get eaten. <laughs> I'm a very busy dragon. Just come on. It's like, that's funny. <laughs> I have lots of time. I could sit here all day as long as I'm not getting eaten. I'm, I'm very busy. I need to go catch the latest opera. Yeah, exactly. Dragon <laughs> opera is very popular. <laughs> and then there's a whole circle of life conversation, which I thought was interesting because it's just like, he's like, it's the beauty of nature, human. Like everything gets consumed by a bigger creature until we get to the apex predator. That's me, by the way. Cows eat the grass, wolves eat the cow, men eat the wolves, and dragons eat the men. It's like, we, we don't eat wolves, actually. I mean, unless we're really hungry. They're, uh, they don't taste very good. Too stringy. So this is funny when it, when it goes into, like, later on, he's talking about, well, you know, we can't eat the other animals. We're supposed to eat you because yeah. you guys taste the best. And he's like, well, we're, apparently these guys are supposed to eat the wolves, but they don't taste great. So your little circle of life seems a bit fucked up there, dragon. <laughs> I mean, wolves can eat people, too, so maybe the dragon should be going after the wolves. I don't know. Yeah. And he says that they don't eat wolves, and the dragon's like, well, I mean, you're supposed to. Men just never do what they're supposed to do. Case in point, this moment where you have the startling rudeness to refuse being consumed. <laughs> then Skip calls out a comma. He's like, you didn't need that comma in there. Which, yeah, th- th- this is the point where it's starting to get like, okay, come on, dude. Guy literally wants to eat you, and you're correcting his grammar now. He's just going to do it out of spite. And then the dragon's like, you're not much fun at parties, are you, small human? I don't don't get invited to parties very often. Yeah, I can't imagine why. So... (laughs) Just reminds me of Avatar, when, like, Sokka's talking to the giant owl monster, and, like, tries to do something, and, like, this owl monster looks at him and goes, you're not very bright, are you? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Oh gosh, I love Sokka. But then Sokka's like an inventing genius later, so he is yeah. bright. Just he's he's just a special guy. That Sokka. It's 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 situational. He refuses to get eaten, and the dragon says, "You're making Mother Nature cry." <laughs> That's such a good line. Favorite line in the story, hands down. Good. We could use more rain. Why don't you just go eat a cow? Why don't you go eat some grass? And he says humans can't digest grass. And he says and dragons can't digest cows. So that's I, I love that actually. This an explanation for why the dragon doesn't just go after a bigger and much easier to trick and catch animal. It's like no no we actually can't digest those. We are supposed to, we're built to eat humans. Which I mean yeah if something had evolved specifically to eat humans then uh, I totally could understand this. What do they do with the dragon body after they kill it? Do they eat it? I don't, Can humans I digest dragons? That. Yeah, I don't know. What a dragon steak tastes like. I have <laughs> seen I've seen that come up in multiple uh, works of fiction, and uh, a lot of times I feel like a recurring theme I've read is that it humans cannot eat them; that it's like uh, poisonous to them or something. Okay. Well, I guess but, we did have that conversation a few books ago about like the toxic tyrannosaurs. Ah, uh, that's true. Which is funny, because I was just thinking about the scene in uh, in Dragon Ball where uh, Gohan is having to live in nature and he keeps chopping a Tyrannosaurus, a steak off of the T-Rex's tail every day. <laughs> and so, yeah, he's like, uh, I, I find that rather unfair. Who eats you? And the dragon says, the worms, once we're dead. It's all very metaphysical. Which, it's funny, because this is absolutely the same, like a conversation a cow could be having with a human. Yeah. But not the wolves, apparently. Well, yeah. It's not my fault I'm at the top of the food chain, cow. Just, you know, get eaten. And uh, so apparently dragons don't need to eat very often, once every few months. 
So that's why they haven't wiped all the humans out. He's like, you don't run out of uh, what? What is it you eat again? Cows, pigs, carrots, very few wolves. Had to call that back. And the dragon's like, think about it this way. You'll be doing good by sacrificing yourself for someone else. Because if I don't eat you, I'll have to go eat somebody else. Maybe probably like a fair virgin or something like a, a fair young virgin. Poor child. So it's like, a manipulative dragon. <laughs> right? Like you getting eaten now would be very brave and noble and heroic of you. And Skip acts like he's like convinced. He's like, oh, well, I mean, when you put it that way. And so he gets up, gets closer, and then is like, wait, what am I doing? And steps back. And it was just enough to entice the dragon, intoxicated by Skip's scent. Even though he knew the hunters were out there, he jumps down and Master Johnston is, have at him, boys. And here come two dozen hunters, crossbow bolts firing, a blunderbuss or two out here. That was a nice touch. They shoot the birdshot from the blunderbusses through the unfurled wings to punch holes to make the dragon's chances of flying off even lower, which that's very clever. And so, yeah, everybody runs up. They stab the dragon, stab him up good, skip trips again, but manages to just avoid getting eaten. And she's like, I really need a new line of work. And that's the end of chapter two. And we skip it's like, no, we skipped to chapter four. It says, that's not an error. Brandon wasn't happy with the third chapter, so he didn't share it. I believe it introduces the sorceress character. So we don't even, this person acts like they haven't read it either. It's like, I think this is what happens. In it. it doesn't really matter. And so Skip is just sitting down now. He gets a cup of warm cider and a blanket. I mean, that seems like it just takes place immediately afterwards. So I'm like, how much did we actually miss there? Yeah. I mean, I guess this could be a little bit, uh, I don't know. I don't know how long killing a dragon takes. But yeah, they, they are backing away from the dead dragon here, so it doesn't seem like it's been that long. And Skip's just like, man, I feel like dragons and people should be able to get along. Like, Both races are sentient, can have conversations. They seem both seem to have trouble spelling things properly. And here comes the sorceress strolling past. And uh, Master Johnson's like, oh, it's the most dangerous one we've ever tackled for you, mistress. Might be worth a little bonus, don't you think? And she doesn't give a crap what he's saying. She grabs a sword from a guy's waist and jabs it into the, the dragon. She, does, she rarely says a word, never participates in the hunts. And unlike other people who have knacks, sorceress, sorce, dawn facers, he calls them, have are supposed to have very powerful magics. Not that she ever uses it to help. So yeah, she shoves the sword in the beast's belly and opens up its stomach and starts looking for something. She's apparently been paying for this full band of hunters to come out and hunt dragons for months, looking for something specific. She's, there's gold and diamonds and all sorts of stuff in there, but she doesn't care about any of that. I also like that apparently while she, she has some sort of magic that lets her dig through the in, innards of a dragon and not actually get dirty from it, which that's convenient. Yeah, I'd like that power. <laughs> It says that she's paying these hunters and they also get all the treasure that the dragon keeps in its stomach. So I feel like they must be making a lot of money here. Skip's not making any of it. Also interesting that, uh, we, you know, dragons have two stomachs, one for food and another for storing things in. It's like, I mean, yeah, dragons don't to have clothes, so they don't have pockets. So they have to have an inside pocket. It makes sense to me. 
the hunters claim to be servants of the greater good, protecting men by slaying dragons. But really, they're, they're just out here for some money. Every man who gets a stab in on the dragon gets a share. I wonder if, if uh, the blunderbusses and uh, crossbows count, because it says you have to stab the dragon. Those guys are doing a lot of work. But he says that, you know, you have to run run in to get a, a stab in there to get some of the money, but also the ones who run in first often end up dead. So it's like a, a balancing act. The smart ones retire with some money. Most of them just die. He's like, and that's going to be me. I'm going to be one of those dead guys. So I would prefer to avoid that. Sorceress wants to go further in the mountains, and Master Johnson's like, but that's where the great drakes live. Like, this guy was big by our standards, but those guys are, like, huge. We can't survive if we try that. And she's just like, greater risk, greater reward. And then she comes up to talk to Skip, and it's like, hey, I heard what you said earlier about not wanting to be bait anymore. But I chose this group of hunters because of you. You being here makes them more likely to encounter dragons, and I don't have any time to spare. So you got to keep doing what you're doing. And to be fair, like, as we find out at the end of the story, if you are, like, you know, just dragon bait by existing, if they are already naturally drawn to your presence, then being the bait for a group of dragon hunters is probably safer than he's giving it credit for. I mean, yes, it's still dangerous, but at least you got guys always on the ready to, you know, have you back. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, it it sounds like he has lived his life not able to stay in one place because dragons keep attacking and no one really wants him around because wherever he goes, dragons show up. So yeah, having professional dragon hunters with you at all times is probably a safe bet. Maybe if the story went on, that's how they would convince him. Yeah, probably. And the sorceress is like, I mean, doesn't all this wealth tempt you? And he's like, well, I mean, I don't get any of it. I don't get paid. And she's like, what? Like, yeah, you got to stab the dragon to get paid. And I don't don't get to do any stabbing. I feel like you could be the bait and still stab. Like when everybody else shows up to stab, can't you turn around and also stab? You're the closest already, so why not? But whatever. And he says, yeah. And she's, but you're the one the dragons come to eat. He's like, I know, but no pay for me. And she says, who's behind this? W-H-O-S-E. And he says, who's behind this? She says, no, I asked you. And he says, no, that was a correction. You used the wrong form of the word. Who? I can hear apostrophes. And she's, but the words sound exactly the same. And he says, you had them mixed up in your mind. And so that's where we get this thing that he can, like, figure out what's in her head. That makes this knack run real deep. Sounds like such a burden. Yeah. I don't know if it's more of a burden because he apparently just can't let it go and has to explain it to people. Or... Mm. Would it be more of a burden to keep it all locked up while it annoys you? I don't know. But I, I feel like he makes it bigger than it has to be by, like, arguing about it every time. And she says, I knew what I meant to say. And he says, still came out wrong, which that's the weird part where she's like, I mean, I was trying to say this. I knew what I meant to say. And he's like, well, it came out wrong. I'm like, well, how does it come out with an apostrophe when you don't mean to put that? It, it's like a really bizarre level of this correction at this point. Master Johnston is quite firm on the point. It's in the group's charter. If you don't stab, but are still valuable, you get to eat, but you don't get paid. Except for Johnston himself. He always gets some money. And he's like, it's not even about the money. I don't want to die. So, I mean, you know. My contract says, and she's like, I don't care what your contract says. Really? Because I rewrote it several times and used some very fine punctuation and interesting words. Words. It's quite marvelous. And uh, she's just like, I need you here. Okay, so what do you want? 
He says he wants to be a lexicographer. I didn't figure you for the dancing type. That, that's a choreographer. A lexicographer is a person who gathers words. But even you got the mysterious and powerful sorceress, and even she's not immune to this. Like, just fucking words up. Right? Although, yeah, I mean, in my mind, like, sorceress, wizard-type person is a person who, like, uh, has studied a lot of things, like magic things. So the fact that, like, it feels weird to me that that sort of person would hear a lexicographer and think choreographer. But yeah. Maybe magic works different in this world. He wants to gather words, and she's like, what about gold? That's a word. No, I mean, don't you want gold? He says, nah, too heavy. Jewelry? Aww. I already have dragons chasing me. If I were rich, then people would want to rob me too. So I'll, I'll just stick with words. What will you do with them? He's like, oh, that's the exciting part. I'm going to put them in a big book, right? And it'll have all the words and their proper spellings. What good would that do? It would make my life a lot less annoying. Have you heard the spelling most of these hunters use? And she's like, but you, most of us can't hear spelling, so we don't care. It's like, with this book, everyone could look and see how words are spelled, and no one would get confused. These days, everyone has to stare at a document for hours trying to figure out what all the words are, because no one uses the same spellings, which, okay, that would be annoying. Just today, I've heard the word dragon spelled dragoon, Dragon, dragon, derogin, and blarsnaf. Like, wait, blarsnaf? Yeah, that was from Pug the Cook. He speaks Lucarvian, but the word should actually be spelled blarsnaf in his language, so you see what I have to put up with. So, like, he's multilingual? He has this problem with every language? Yeah, doesn't that just make it worse? <laughs> Way worse. This guy's life does not sound great, is, is, is what I'm saying here. <laughs> She's not impressed by his arguments, and he's just like, uh, the world's willing to accept misunderstood artists, thieves, peasants who dream of royalty, but nobody gets me. The misunderstood philologist. They only ever run me out of town for bringing dragons down on them. He's like... I need a, bu a book with all the words in it, a, a word book. I gotta have a better name than that. But anyway. And then he says, did you know 14,000 people died last year because of a misspelling? And she's like, uh, I find myself skeptical of this. Um, so yes, there's a peace treaty and they used the wrong spelling of the word peace, which uh, started a war because when it says continue in peace, they thought it meant continue in pieces. And 14,000 people died before they found the problem. But also, it's like, they're reading this, and their immediate re reaction when they read that is, it must be a threat, not, hey, someone just fucked up. Yeah. Get them. Yeah. It's, honestly, it sounds like a terrible world to live in. Th this whole discussion really is it's very Hitchhiker's Guide to me, and I like it. <laughs> yep, yep. And so she's like, look, look, just continue as, as bait for a few more weeks, and I'll help you with your, your dumb book thing. And he's like, well, I mean, what help could you be? And she says, I, I know lots of words. And he starts to think that her voice sounds different now. She's not whispering anymore. She's actually gotten into this conversation. And she, it, her voice sounds less frightening that way, kind of melodic. Maybe she's, like, charming him on some level, like, with some sort of magic. I don't know. Maybe it's in that third chapter. Maybe. And she's like, that's settled then. I'm glad we had this conversation. And he's like, I didn't agree, but she's not listening. So that night they're having a celebration, drinking some beer uh, or sleeping off all the beer from their post dragon celebration. And he packs his things and slips out of camp unseen. 
It's like it, this this stint was kind of nice. It was cool to find a place where I was wanted and needed for once. But uh, I want to find a place where I'm wanted and needed for something other than being eaten. So I'm I'm out of here. It was it was particularly ironic then that about two hours out of camp, he found himself cornered by a dragon and not a single hunter around to kill the thing for him. And that's the end. It's like maybe there'll be more in the future, but it was really just a writing exercise. So this was posted November 2019, so not terribly long ago. There could still be more. Hmm. I say I thought the original thing said he did it in like 2011. Yeah, this was posted on the website in 2019. I don't know. Uh... Oh yeah, yep. here we go. Slightly fleshed out and extended version of the dialogue writing exercise Brandon posted in January 2011. And this was posted on Brandon's forum in May 2011. Since they were having issues with the website, but now it's getting moved here. So yeah, it has been a very long time since he wrote this. So yeah, maybe we're past the point where something new might come of it. Unless it's one of the new books. That's true. It could be one of these secret books. I haven't, uh, I haven't, I've been avoiding all spoilers on them, so it's entirely possible. Have there been much spoilers coming out? Uh, he's, he's pretty tight-lipped about it. He's talked about it some, and like, uh, there's some information like the names, of the books and a little bit about the plot and stuff that he's uh, talked about to kind of wet people's whistle for it. But uh, I am ta- there, there's always a thing that's like, hey, if you don't want to know any of the details, if you want to be totally unspoiled for the new books, then don't read what's about to be here next. So I've avoided that. I want to be surprised. Yeah, fair enough. But there's actually always uh, uh, some information coming out beforehand, not enough to like spoil the whole book, but you get some interesting little bits. And really, he released the first chapter of uh, this next the next Mistborn book. uh, A couple of years ago now, I think. Well, maybe maybe not that that long ago, because he didn't actually start writing it until a couple. Now now I'm going to look it up. Uh, The Lost Metal chapter preview uh, da, 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 da. okay no that was like maybe not even a year ago so it just felt longer ago to me yeah, he released chapter one and two or at least a preview of them or read a preview of them at a con or something like that uh a decent while ago so and in the run-up to a new big book like that, uh, they do they release chapters on uh, the publisher's website, I think. And so, like in uh, for the last couple Stormlight books, which are you know really huge books, there have been like a bunch of chapters starting like two months beforehand. They'll release like a chapter a week, so you end up with like eight or ten chapters by the time the book comes out. Yeah. Okay. And the, apparently, they're doing that right now for the lead-up to the Mistborn book release in November because I had someone ask, hey, are you going to read these chapters and do uh, for the Patreon uh, do reactions to them? I was like, I guess I probably should, but I'm going to go ahead and do the Alcatraz book first and see how far that gets us. And then if by that time, like the new book is out, then there's no reason for me to do the lead up thing. So I guess we'll see. If they're releasing a chapter a week, could you do it though? Like, would you go crazy having to read a chapter a week? Only a chapter a week? No, I don't. I mean, you know, when that's all that's available, it's fine. Because, yeah, I always, uh, I, I read the Stormlight chapters when they came out for those books. So uh, Okay. So knowing that nothing else is available to go on to helps. Yes, I think it does. Fair. <laughs> Although I've been pretty good with the Alcatraz book that I've been doing the thing for, because 
I can only read a chapter when I'm sitting here in front of my computer with my microphone and everything. And so I'll record one or two and then I'm like, well, I, I'll record them and edit them right away. And then I guess for, for the audience, if you're not on the Patreon there, I'm at the time of this recording, I've already posted the first two chapters of that book that I read and reacted to. And so, uh, It'll probably be, I, I thought I was thinking maybe like a Tuesday, Thursday release schedule on those so that I'm not like releasing them all at a go and we're done in a week. But uh, you, their new ones are coming out fairly often. That's what I'm thinking at the moment, be, mostly because I released the first one on a Tuesday. And then I, by the time I finished the second one, it was Thursday. So I was just like, maybe that's a good schedule to stick to. But, yeah, it, it's actually hard to find a decent chunk of time that I can come and sit in front of my computer. I don't need to be doing anything else. That I can read. Usually I'll like read in bed at night or I'll read like I'll be working. And while I'm waiting for some program to run, I'll read a little bit and I can't do that now. So it's been challenging, but I'm, I'm not reading when I'm not able to react to it. So uh, I feel like I'm doing a good job. It might be harder with like a, a book like Mistborn that uh, is kind of more epic and I'm more invested in wanting to know what happens, but I guess we'll find out. <sighs> so yes, that is, that is, I hate dragons. Just a fun name for a story, a fun little, just silly thing that I thought uh, would be entertaining to read. And I will make sure to put a link in the description for this episode so that you can read it before you listen to this. But if you don't know that until now, then that didn't help you because we're at the end. So I <laughs> said that earlier, I suppose. For next time. The story that we are reading is, let me bring it up so that I don't say the wrong name. The story that we are reading for next time is a short story also posted for free on Brandon's website called Centrifugal. This is basically the first thing that Brandon ever wrote in, I wouldn't even say professional capacity. He wrote this in high school to enter into a writing contest at a sci-fi convention. And he he won the writing contest. So this is his first piece of, like, fiction that he ever wrote that was kind of, like, at that level. It got published cool. in some way. Yeah. I, 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 I was tempted to say published, except that the thing we read last week is what he calls his first ever published sci-fi story. And this is also a sci-fi story. So uh, then okay. it would make me feel like a liar to have said that previously. <laughs> so I'm like, it wasn't really published because it doesn't get – it's not, like, in a book somewhere. But he submitted it for a contest. It's, like, official – high level writing although if when you click the link the very first thing it says is warning you're about to read a very bad story so it is even shorter than what we've read this time so it's uh there's there's not much to it he wrote this spring 1994 so let's see let me put the link in here while i'm while i'm thinking about it but it's just interesting to me it's like his first uh his first ever real short story that he wrote on uh as as kind of with this eye to like being a writer kind of. So we will read that one for next time. If you want to read Brandon's first story, the sci-fi convention was called Andromeda one. And it was like, this is one of the first times I can remember thinking, maybe I can do this when he won this writing contest. So it's a, it's an interesting little read. Definitely not his best work clearly, but, um, but it's interesting nonetheless. So that's what we're reading for next time. Uh, I may put a link to that one in the description of this episode, too. So that one you can click and uh, get something useful out of. <laughs> Just reading the description here and what the judge told him. Uh, 
At f- oh, at, yeah, yeah, yeah. At first, we thought you were doing something really postmodern and telling the story from back to front. Then we realized you just stapled the pages backwards. <laughs> like oh, he, dear. He still won after that. That was... Wow. Postmodern. Oh, God. Wow, this is really interesting. Oh, no, he just fucked up. <laughs> Your story's good. Have you considered telling it in reverse? Um. <laughs> yeah, we liked it better that way. Weirdly, I don't know. So, okay. Let's read. We have a bunch of emails in the box. We actually we have about six. So I'm going to read, I think, three of these. Get them out of the way. Let's see. This first one is from Tom. And Tom says, Hello, Sander Lance crew. Still listening. Has it been a year? Probably more. I've lost track. Definitely has been at least a couple weeks since April 2020. Yeah, it has. Just just a couple. (laughs) At least. (laughs) Haha. Seriously, I love how I have something to look forward to listening to every Monday when I start my work week. As other listeners have mentioned, I'm particularly pleased with how well this reading schedule works with my timeline to prepare for the release of The Lost Metal. I hope we haven't uh, thrown that off, anyone listening. I mean, I'm I'm still hoping we will finish Brands Morning before The Lost Metal comes out, so... I don't know if the schedule will line up perfectly, he says, but it's pretty close. I was curious if any of you have had noticed that Tor.com has been giving away the ebooks for the first three Wax and Wayne books for free for to their newsletter subscribers. It almost feels like a shame that you had to buy the books beforehand when you could have gotten them for free if you'd kept to your original schedule with covering White Sand first. Well, I already had the ebooks, and Dak and Jamie get actual books, so I don't know that we would have gotten that much out of it. But yeah, I mean... Uh, they, I, I had noticed that they were giving away those books for free. If only Damn. I hadn't already owned them. I can't wait to see what the crew thinks of the conclusion of this book. I assume we're talking about Band's Morning. They never fail to dis- disappoint in their, they never fail to disappoint, that sounds mean, in their pet theories, either because they're so outlandishly accurate or just plain outlandish. I have to say that. That sounds like us. <laughs> yeah, it does. I have to say that Joe being two for two in the secret Conjure theories has me particularly impressed. Yeah, I know you're reading it more methodically than I did, but it still has me almost raging at the podcast when he anticipated the Lessie reveal in the last book. I still maintain that the ending of that book was one of the most heartbreaking moments for me in the whole Cosmere. Yeah, it's very sad. I agree. Um, Yeah, we haven't read a lot of Cosmere, but for sure. I buy it. In number of books, I think we are more than halfway uh, through. Now I have to look. Now that we're talking about it, give me one second. Because there's, uh, I mean, the Stormlight books are big, so in text-wise, they take up, like, I think more than half. But there's only three, no, sorry, four of those novels out now. So we've read, oh. let's see how many things we've read. We've read the first three Mistborn books. We read the 11th Metal short stories. I'm going to count these on different hands. Three books, one short story. We read Secret History, which I'm going to, I guess, count as a short story. We read Elantris, another book. Hope of Elantris, another short story. Emperor's Soul, another short story. So that puts us four and four. Sixth of Dusk, fifth short story. Alloy of Law is a book. Shadows of Self, and now Bands of Mourning. So after this, we will have read seven books, five short stories, and we will still have one graphic novel, one novel, plus the four Stormlight novels, so that's five novels, one graphic novel, and I think four more short stories. 
in the Cosmere, and then we will have read everything Cosmere. So oh. yeah, we're we're a little over halfway in terms of like number of titles. In my head, the Cosmere is like fifty books. I eventually it's enough. going to be, but yeah, we're not there yeah. yet. I mean, it, it doesn't doesn't. I'm looking at my shelf now. It doesn't help that every Stormlight book is divided into two books. Oh yeah, that I forgot y'all's are divided like that. That would make it look way bigger for y'all. Yep. Yeah, I've got nearly an entire shelf of Brandon stuff right now. <laughs> that that's a popular uh, thing on the Brandon on Brandon Sanderson subreddits. It's like, look at my Brandon Sanderson shelf. Well, so, like, and also like all of them are like the same size and they're the white um, with their colored writing, except for Elantris, which is just <laughs> poking up like a head and shoulder above the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. we we got you guys the the U.S. version of the 10th anniversary Elantris. It's very sad. <laughs> just had to be different. And because I got them alphabetized by title, Arcane Unbounded is ahead of it. Theralantris <laughs> is actually stuck in between a couple of these other books. <laughs> Can't even yeah, put him on the end. You could arrange them in chronological order, and then Elantris would be first. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, okay, anyway, sorry, back to his uh, Tom's email. I could write so much more about the team's reactions to Wayne's antics hmm not the right word for it kind of dismissic dismisses how problematic he can be as well as their reactions to Steris, who i agree with the general consensus among cosmere fans really comes to shine in this book i don't want to say too much because she's pretty central to one of the crew's current theories at least at the time i'm writing this mm-hmm. so i won't say more and instead sign off in the ever so eloquent high imperial wasing to the time of next i don't know what theory that was maybe it's Dax's theory that she's evil secretly yeah no I, I did have a it's like oh could she be the bad guy and it's like, i don't think so anymore um maybe maybe that's just, what he means how she really comes into her own this book she turns evil yeah, yeah possibly but no, I, I, I feel like they're not gonna, they're not gonna have the sister turn bad guy and then sarah's do it like a chapter later she you know if the sister's a bad guy then yeah yeah i mean yeah, we've we've had that theory since like the start of the book. We're all like we're all pretty hard on that train. You are, which it would make it the funniest if uh, there's a moment and you're like, oh, she's gonna. I almost said Tindwill. That's not her name. Um, <laughs> Telson. Telson. Telson's about to turn, and then it's actually Steris. <laughs> no one would see that coming. Steris all along. <laughs> And, and then Steris is a secret Chondra, and you guys were theorizing that Telson was, it'll be Steris, and Wax will have almost been married Aww. to two Chondras. Oh, Jesus. That would suck. Um, okay. Second email. This one is from Joshua. Hey, I wanted to say I've really enjoyed the podcast since discovering it a few weeks ago. I just finished up Mistborn Era 1 and have enjoyed experiencing the Cosmere through the eyes of new readers immensely, to the detriment of my productivity at work. I left a a review on Podcast Addict. Hope that helps the podcast. I particularly love the fact that you guys haven't shied away from expressing criticisms you have of the books. Hopefully everyone listening enjoys that as well. Some of the criticisms you guys had had made me think of the Cosmere in ways I never had before. I think the best example of this is how most of the fandom views the books compared to how anyone with no preconceived notions of the Cosmere would. You guys raised some valid criticisms on the ending of the first two books. Particularly how you would not have been happy to have to wait for the next one to come out. I think the fandom tends to overrate a bit how much each book stands on its own because of how they fit into the greater Cosmere. Sure, you don't need to be aware of the rest of the Cosmere so far to enjoy the books, 
but someone who's planning on reading an entire series is probably going to be much more forgiving on some questions in one series being left a mystery that may be solved in a later book slash series. That's an interesting point. That's probably mm -hmm. yeah. Much as I do love to discuss the Cosmere, I don't think I'd be nearly as good at hosting something like this as Data has been. I'd probably screw up and use something from another series to defend or explain criticisms that are brought up. I'm not saying they aren't valid criticisms, just that I wouldn't be able to resist saying something like, well, have you considered that this might be a choice that Brandon made because he's thinking about how it fits into the Cosmere as a whole? Also uh, a valid point. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of a situation where that would apply. But he has one example of this is Joe's. God, I hope I got that right. I'm terrible with names. Yes, his name is Joe. <laughs> his complaint about Vin dying. In real life, I probably would have said something like, well, maybe Brandon needed... Ellen to be gone so the government would work for Era 2, thinking of how things would be a whole lot different with Ellen and Vin in charge instead of everyone's favorite Lord Mistborn. That's interesting. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way, where it's like, yeah, Ellen would have probably made a much better government than the rest of the crew. Uh, yeah, that's a fair point. Because mm. there would have been no question he would have been in charge if he'd survived, because he yeah. was already the... Yeah. Absolutely. And he probably would have gone about like trying to I mean, what what better time to try to eliminate nobility at all than at a point where nobody has anything and everybody is starting from nothing. Like how no the yeah. concept of nobility even survive that, I don't know. And he probably would not have let that happen. Yeah. Uh, as an aside, I'm really looking forward to the reactions of Spook being revered like the Skadrial equivalent of George Washington. Not familiar enough with Australian history to make an appropriate analogy there. If pushed, I guess John Curtis, who I only know thanks to Civ, Civ 6, or Steve Irwin, which I'm sure are terrible comparisons. <laughs> I don't know if we really have an equivalent. No. That's okay. We're familiar. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, I've heard of George Washington. It's fine. Yeah. The name rings a bell. He it, it was, was the wooden tooth guy, yeah? That's the yeah, one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and something about shopping down a cherry tree or some something. Did he do anything else? I'm not sure. No, that, that's it. <laughs> Can't think of a possible thing. Oh, anyway. he chopped down the cherry tree to make his teeth. That's yeah, the story. That totally his, fits. That's his superhero origin story. Mr. Woodtooth. <laughs> Mr. Woodtooth. I mean, you know, that's uh, that's better than some of... I was... He fights yeah. crime by biting them and giving them splinters. Have you guys been watching She-Hulk? <laughs> yes, yes, we have. So in, in the latest episode, they had Mr. Immortal... Yes. I, love, I love what they did with him. It was really funny, but it ha I hadn't heard of him before. Like I hadn't read the comics that he's in, which I guess is like Great Lakes Avengers. Yeah, I've only seen him once because he showed up in a Deadpool comic and like, like, like Deadpool cut his head off, and then everyone's just like, "You killed Mister Immortal," and he's just like, "Think about that for a second. Oh yeah, I think that's. I think I saw him there too because that's when Deadpool's attacking them for not being registered, right? Yes. Yeah. And then it turns out they are registered, and uh, Squirrel Girl beats <laughs> the crap out of Deadpool. Yeah, I remember this. Uh, yeah, that was my first exposure to Squirrel Girl. Me too, actually, now that you say that. But, yeah, so I, I was reading about him and his his power, which is, yeah, just he can't die. What, what a power. And uh, it led me to a different Wikipedia article about, like, a bad guy called, like, Mr. Asbestos or Asbestos Man or something like that. Oh, yeah, like, he was a Human Torch bad guy back in the 50s. Yeah, and I was just like, what a shitty bad guy. Like, <laughs> he has he, he made a suit out of super asbestos and then challenged the Human Torch to a fight and beat him because the Human Torch's fire was ineffective. 
And then I mean, asbestos. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, it's it sounds like he knew exactly what he wanted to do and he succeeded. Yep, exactly. And uh, and then apparently he doesn't appear again in the comics for like 50 years until he shows up in a comic uh, that I think is related to something about Mr. Immortal. I think that's how I got to that. But where he is dying from cancer he contracted from being exposed to that super asbestos in his suit. And uh, he, he's regretting no longer being able to be a supervillain. And I was just like, wow, OK, this is a story. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's when you're like his superhero is Mr. Woodteeth. I'm like, that's almost as bad as <laughs> Asbestos Man. Oh man, like if there's a book, I don't know. Um, have you ever read uh, Super Gods by Grant Morrison? I haven't read it. I read like a summary of it because everyone kept telling me how great it was, but I didn't actually read the book. Yeah, no, it's a great history of just superheroes in comics, uh, in in general, and also part autobiography of uh, Morrison. Like really fascinating read, but I remember like. There's, there's one point where in the text they're talking about, you know, it was like this, the, there was a massive superhero boom in like the 40s and 50s because, you know, they, they were just what was popular and coming out of uh, World War Two and the Depression. It's like this is, you know, fun and uplifting and stuff. And so they had all these really weird and bizarre characters. And Morrison just says at one point, yeah, the absolute worst of these was uh, was the superhero called the Red Bee. Uh, he had a, and he had a gun which like stung people, and his sidekick was a was a little bee he called Stinger or Stingy or something, and he kept it in his belt buckle. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, look, we re- like we were, it was it was hard to come back from that one. Oh, I haven't I haven't seen that one before. I've, I've read a lot of articles where it's like the worst comics heroes or villains, and there's always some really funny ones in there that I'm like, when are we gonna see these guys in uh, an MCU movie? Oh yeah, like there's always there's like every list is gonna have some obscure, like bottom feeding ones. You're just like, yeah. but sometimes they can make it work, like Polka Dot Man. Sure, yeah, that that you're <laughs> right. That that was very uh very fun in the movie, the way they handled him. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I just pulled up a list of worst villains because there was one I was trying to remember and I couldn't, and so I'm like, uh, where? I'm trying to remember uh, what this guy was, and then. This list had Asbestos Lady on it, which uh, apparently she also died from cancer from exposure to Asbestos. Wasn't that, wasn't that the original Asbestos guy's daughter? Maybe. I didn't actually read any details. I was just like, okay, well, that's interesting. Uh, let's see. Fantastic Four, Human Torch. I don't know. It it doesn't actually say. Hmm. Now, who's th- There's a guy who like rides like an old-timey bicycle. <laughs> He was my favorite. What, like the like, penny farthing with the big wheel in the front? Yes. And I'm trying to remember his name because it was uh, it, it was hilarious. And I got to find this guy now. Because it was like, we want to see this guy in movies. And I was like, oh, so do I now. Like, now that I've seen this picture. Oh, yeah, there he is. Turner D. Century. Oh, God, yes. I remember that one. But no, I was wrong. It's not an old-timey bicycle. He's he has a flying tandem bicycle with a uh, a, a, a like a, a dummy on on in the back seat. That's what it was. How is that more practical than just a regular bike? I don't know, but it's <laughs> hilarious. Oh, the 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 mannequin's head is a napalm bomb bomb. So there you go. It's just <laughs> useful. <laughs> 
His grand evil plan was to kill everyone under the age of 65 with ultrasonic waves from his horn of time while riding his flying bicycle. That's like the ultimate boomer. Exactly. That's that's why we need this guy. Um, Sadly, he was only able to knock down everyone under 65. That's it. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I want this guy. This this picture is 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 just terrific. I'm gonna I'm gonna share it with you guys. Anyway, sorry, we've gotten way off. So uh, this that was that was pretty much the end of uh, Joshua's. It says anyway, I've rambled enough. Wasn't to the time of next Gonchos, which is a man. You rambled me. enough. Your your email led us to ramble some weird places, man. Yeah, it did. Good times. Good times. But thank you. One for more email. email. One yes, thank you. One more email for today. This one is from Spencer. He says, hey, I found your podcast about a month ago, and I'm almost to the end of Hero of Ages. Four more episodes to go. Can't wait to hear how the crew reacts to Spook becoming a Mistborn and Sazed becoming Harmony. Listening to this podcast listening to this podcast has changed my mind on Spook and made me realize how whiny he can be. <laughs> Even though, yeah, glad we could help. Uh, even though it will be a while until I listen to the episode where you respond to this, if you guys even still do that, I'm super excited to hear how the crew reacts to the Wax and Wayne series. Keep up the great work. Wasing to the time of next. Thank you, Spencer. Thanks, man. Awesome emails. Led to some weird stuff. Um, if anyone would like to send us an email, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Facebook and Patreon now, where, as I said, We've got some patron-exclusive content coming out. If you're an Alcatraz and the Evil Librarians fan, come and check out me uh, live reading or uh, live responding. I'm not actually reading out the chapters. I'm not trying to provide a free audio book and get sued. I am responding, talking about the chapters as I'm reading them for the first time. So come check those out if you are interested in that sort of thing. And uh, if you're not an Alcatraz fan, then I'll be doing the same when the new Mistborn book comes out so you can become a patron if you want to hear those music by miracle of sound throw that out there remember for next time we are reading centrifugal a short story available for free on brandon's website and we have two more episodes after this before we're going to get back to the book that is the plan at least so if nothing else come back three weeks after this episode and uh for us getting back into the bands of mourning we only have when I say three more episodes of the band of morning to go before we're done. So we are rapidly approaching the end there and uh, it should be a lot of fun. Assuming everyone doesn't completely forget in the four weeks that we take off what happened. No, I've got a, I've read the chapters. I have a pretty vivid recollection of what happened. Mm. Yeah. So thank you everyone for listening, especially those of you sticking with us through uh, the diversion from what you expected. I know that, uh, <laughs> Last time when we had the baby break, it was kind of the beginning of Elantris, so I don't think everyone was uh, as amped up for the the finale as they were when we took off at almost the end of Bands of Morning. So thank you for sticking with us, everybody, even though it was a tense time to suddenly jump off. Uh, can't, <laughs> can't control when babies come, so what are you going to do? Next week, Centrifugal, like I said, and wasing to the time of next. Colo? Fill my mug with a mighty jug of honey, heart and gray. Drinking mead in the halls of White Run, the maidens and the men. We swig our brew until we spew, then we fill our mugs again. 
You can keep your filthy schooner, it makes our bellies bleed. Cause when we raise our flag into another dead dragon, there is just one drink we need. Lord, me.